Today with Catherine Ruinala. You know, it's interesting to study the lives of men and women of God and recognize that it wasn't all roses. It wasn't all perfect, wonderful, nothing ever went wrong. The Bible says in this world, we will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Hallelujah. And so looking at David's life, we're going to pick it up here in um, chapter 21 of 1 Samuel. And what has happened here is David has fled from Saul. Jonathan has given David the, the um, final word that, yes, actually, my father is trying to kill you. And you know, this, this news for David must have been absolutely devastating. He knew things weren't good. He'd been, had spears thrown at him. He'd had all sorts of things going on. But finally, when it, was, when it was actually made clear, the intent of the king was to kill him. Uh, young David, he just had to flee. And then he fled to a, a city with the priests and uh, they gave him consecrated bread because they had nothing else. He took this, the sword that he'd um, taken off Goliath. And then he fled to Gath, where the Philistines were, hoping maybe he might be able to find some uh, refuge there somehow because his own country, his own king, was out with an army to kill him. So we'll pick it up here in verse 10. It says, Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Well, David wasn't the king at that time, but he had been anointed by Samuel secretly to be king. But he had such a reputation uh, that he was not trusted, and rightfully so, among the Philistines because he had slain tens of thousands. Verse 12, now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate and let his saliva fall down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you've brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? It's such an unusual story, but try to put yourself in the shoes of David. Here he is, having had great victory as a young man over Goliath, then brought into Saul's house uh, to, to play the harp as the demons would uh, manifest in, on, in Saul's life, and Saul tried to throw spears at him, and then finally, um, he he actually turns on him. David is promoted before that and uh, is doing great victories, leading the armies of Israel out against their enemies. But even so, having served his king, uh, he gets turned on. And I mean, a horrific rejection. And then he's come to what is probably one of the lowest points of his life thus far, where he's having to resort to playing a madman because he's desperately afraid. He's got 
Saul coming after him. He's now afraid that the Philistines are going to come after him. And it says it here, it says it, that David took these words to heart and was very much afraid. You know, even great men and women of God can be confronted with fear. But I love the way David responds. I love Psalm 27 where he says, I would have lost heart had I not believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He held on to the promises of God. And I wanted to read to you today the psalm that David wrote during this time when he was rejected on all sides. Let me read this to you. Psalm 56 which I really love. And I think I'll read it to you in the Passion Translation because it's just beautiful. You can read it in whatever translation you like, but it's beautiful here. Uh, In the Passion Translation, it says here, Lord, show me your kindness and mercy, for these men oppose and oppress me all day long. Not a day day goes by that somebody harasses me. So many in their pride trample me under their feet. But in the day that I'm afraid, I lay all my fears before you and trust in you with all my heart. What harm could a man bring to me? With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. Remember, he was writing this psalm when he was feeling fear. And yet this was his response. He says, right, with God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. He begins to speak and make declarations. He begins to say, the roaring praises of God fill my heart and I will always triumph as I trust in his promises. Day after day, cruel critics distort my words. Constantly, they plot my collapse. Lurking in the dark, waiting, spying on my movements in secret to take me by surprise, ready to take my life. They don't deserve to get away with this. Look at their wickedness, their injustice, Lord. In your fierce anger, cast them down to defeat. You've kept track of all my wandering and my weeping. You've stored my many tears in your bottle. Not one will be lost, for they are all recorded in your book of remembrance. The very moment I call to you for a father's help, the tide of battle turns and my enemies flee. You can hear him again, making these declarations, using the word of God, using the promises of God, using what he knows about the character of God and speaking it out and and calling those things that be not as though they are. The very moment I call to you for a father's help, the tide of battle turns and my enemies flee. This one thing I know, God is on my side. I trust in the Lord and I praise him. I trust in the word of God and I praise him. What harm could man do to me? With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. My heart overflows with praise to God and for his promises. I will always trust in him. So I'm thanking you with all my heart, with gratitude for all you've done. I will do everything I promised you, O Lord, for you have saved my soul from death and my feet from stumbling so that I can walk before the Lord bathed in his life-giving light. You know, I think we can find so much comfort in the Psalms and knowing this was a real person. He was a young man still in his 20s and with an incredible promise. He had done great things for God. He had done really well and yet really bad things were happening. 
He was suffering terrible injustices. He was being attacked. He was being slandered. He was being hunted. He was being rejected. And then when things looked bad, then something even worse came and, and happened. And you could in that position go, God, I thought you were for me. What is going on? I thought you were for me. I thought that you wanted I thought that you wanted me to be king. I thought you wanted I thought I was doing what you liked. What's going on? Why is this happening? And it can be so easy to fall into that trap of why God why? When God when? How God how? What's going on? But I was reading this last night in Isaiah 54 verse 15. If anyone fiercely assails you, it will not be from me. This is the Lord speaking. Whoever assails you will fall because of you. Behold, I myself have created the smith who blows the coal, fire of coals and brings out a weapon for its work. And I have created the destroyer to ruin. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us, and he makes it very clear, if anyone fiercely assails you, in fact, in other translation, it says, when people fiercely assail you, or when these things happen, because in this world we do have trouble. If we set an expectation that nothing will never come under fire, will never come under attack, uh, then we're not actually be, being realistic. But we have this wonderful hope that though an army encamps against me. Though the enemy tries to come against me, this is what I will do. I will not be afraid. I will put my trust in God. Even David, when he felt afraid, he, he, it says uh, he felt afraid. He, he began instead to make a choice. And we have to make a choice. When things start to come against us, when things happen, we have a choice day by day. And that choice is either to get up and fight or to sit back and say, woe is me. Well, the Bible says that the battle belongs to the Lord, but he also says that we fight the good fight of faith. And God's heart for us is not to be a victim that is constantly on the defense just trying to survive. But God's heart for us is to begin to recognize that when the enemy comes in like uh, a flood, when he comes in and tries to uh, intimidate, when he comes in and attacks, when things start going wrong, rather than questioning the character of God, we need to recognize and remember the character of God. That he says, this is coming against you, but it's not from me. And here's the good news. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. It doesn't mean that weapons won't be formed against you. You know, there are days that we, um, people say things, people do things, situations happening, that, and you think, this isn't supposed to be happening to me. And the temptation is to begin to listen to the lies of the enemy that say, God's not really for you. Or if he were really for you, why is this happening? Or if, if God was good, this wouldn't, why would this happen? If God was good, why would the coronavirus be happening? If God really cared about you, why would this be happening to you? You know, if David fell into that trap, he would have lost hope. Hi friends. 
For so many years, I lived with condemnation, frustrated that I didn't fully measure up. Then the Holy Spirit began to reveal the truth that I was loved, set free, and defined by the performance of Jesus, not by my good works. Such a basic truth, but I didn't really understand it. Let me help you fully grasp the goodness of God and how He's designed us to live supernaturally as new creations. Imagine if you were truly supernaturally free from sin and shame, free to follow the desires that God's placed in your heart. In my new book, Supernatural Freedom, I give you simple keys to unlock the freedom that you were designed to live in every day. We're going to have a quick look at uh, Psalm 27. It is one of my favorite Psalms. And, um, you know, I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to encourage some of you who are watching. It starts off verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I've asked from the Lord, and that shall I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold him uh, to behold the beauty of the Lord and meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. And it goes on, Hear, O Lord, when I, seek, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I will seek. You know, when you hear that voice of God saying, come, come seek my face, he's not doing it because he's requiring something of you. He's doing it because he wants you to know that when you look in his face, you will see his shining eyes looking back at you. When you look in his face, you will remember, he is for me. God is for me. Who can be against me? The Bible says, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and they'll not faint. This was a lesson David learned so well. Hallelujah. Further on in David's life, as um, he comes to a day where the Philistines have again rejected him, he mar he's marched for days with his army, comes back to Ziklag and discovers their wives, their children, and all their possessions have been taken, the city has been burned, and even the ones who were supporting him started talking about stoning him. Now that's, that's a bad day. And David had a lot of really bad days. But his response was, he encouraged himself in the Lord. 
The reason David could do that is because he'd done it before. He'd done it on the days when he had been rejected. He'd done it on the days when he'd felt overwhelmed. And he didn't deny that he felt overwhelmed. He, he would say, when my heart is overwhelmed, I will run to you. He would say, Lord, this is what's going on, but this is what I'm going to declare. Because he was a warrior and he knew what it, what it meant that he had to pick up the sword and fight. And we, you and I, have been given powerful weapons against anything the enemy wants to bring against us. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You can pick it up and you can begin to wield it. You have to make a choice. You know, when things are, when, when things are uh, going wrong and they don't seem to be getting right quickly, I remember when we were having a struggle with our eldest daughter uh, quite a few years ago and it didn't resolve quickly. It went on for a couple of years and it was really difficult. And I had friends that were not very good friends that would try to figure out why it happened, um, which was of no help at all. Or, or um, I, they're like Job's friends trying to work out what did you do wrong that this bad thing's happening to you. Well, you know, God wants you to know that when the enemy fiercely assails you, it is not from him. But when a weapon gets formed against you, and they will be formed against you, take heart, because no weapon that's formed against you can prosper. He says, if you will not grow weary with well-doing, you will reap if you faint not. That's not just about serving week to week at church. It's about you being determined. I am not going to get weary of fighting the good fight of faith. I have been given grace today to live to fight another day. And my fight is not a, a fight that's in vain. It's already been won. But I have been given power and authority to begin to step up and to begin to wield the sword of the Spirit. And you know, as you do that, the Bible says not only will you see the victory of the Lord that he's already purchased for you, but he promises that for your former shame, pain, and disgrace, he will give you double recompense. He says that he will make all things work together for your good. So when the enemy comes in and he tries to assail you, when he tries to intimidate you, when he tries to attack you, the Bible says that God sees every tear. He stores them all in a bottle. But he waits for you to say, thank you, Father, I trust in you. And I thank you, I'm gonna take your word, what you say, and I'm gonna declare, Father, that there is double for my trouble. God wants you to rise up in faith. You see, it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. These promises, these incredible promises from God that he makes all things work together for good, that he gives us double recompense for all our pain, shame, and disgrace. These are promises that must be accessed by faith. They are not inevitabilities. They are absolutely the will of God for your life, but they are invitations requiring a response. And that response is a response of faith just like David did here. 
he could have he could have sat down and fallen into a deep depression and done nothing and praise the lord he didn't instead he picked up his pen he began to worship and he began to make the declaration thank you father i will not fear Thank you, Father. I will sing. Yes, I will praise. Hallelujah. Let's just look again one more time at um, that beautiful psalm, Psalm 56. Hallelujah. And we've got to remember, as God is um, encouraging us to trust him, to begin to sing, to be able to worship him, to begin to trust him, He's not suggesting that, um, that we pretend that, that it isn't going on. God loves your vulnerability. He loves you to be real with him and say, this is the situation, but this is what you've promised, and I am going to step up in faith. You've put faith in my heart, so today I'm going to make a choice. Either can sit in the ashes, or I can bring the ashes to you in faith with an active, deliberate choice to exchange those ashes for the beauty that you have promised me. Hallelujah. He says, um, and he, he asks, he prays, God, show me your kindness and mercy. You know, the Bible tells us we have not because we ask not. If you are in a place where you are feeling under assault, ask the Lord to, for help. The moment you ask for a father's help, you can have confidence he is already there fighting for you. Hallelujah. And verse three, he says, but in the day that I'm afraid, I lay all of my fears before you. See, this is the choice we get to make. We can either sit there and go, oh, it's terrible, I feel afraid, I feel afraid, it's terrible, I feel afraid. Or we can say, I feel afraid, this is really hard, but God, I'm gonna lay all my fears at your feet and I'm gonna trust in you. And as I lay my fears at your feet, hallelujah, and trust in you with all my heart, I'm gonna declare what harm can come to me. With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. And he begins to speak and, and speak from the Spirit of God and Christ in you on the inside, he is not concerned. He already has determined the outcome. He has determined victory for you. But you and I get the privilege of being able to demonstrate faith in the goodness of God. God's not doing it to test you. God's not bringing it against you. He says, this is not from me. But as you put your trust in me, he says, watch and see. And you know, as you do that, what also happens is your confidence in His faithfulness, your relationship with Him gets deeper and richer because you discover that when the enemy starts rising up, God doesn't run away. In fact, He rises up in all His fierceness and will cause you, if you will look to Him for strength, to rise up and not just hide behind His His. Uh, a skirt, not just hide behind him, but rise up with him in a place of maturity where you begin to say with the Lord, God is on my side. God is for me. Who can be against me? And as we do that, not only will you discover the victory for yourself, but you will also discover a supernatural strength that will empower you to deliver others. Hallelujah.
the roaring praises of God fill my heart and I will always triumph as I trust in his promises. You know, as we begin to think about what, what might be going on in our world, as we begin to think about the um, situations and the dismal reports you might hear all around you, you have a choice to either talk to one another about how terrible it is and how, oh, it's ne nothing's ever gonna be the same again. Oh, it's so terrible. The world's getting worse and worse. And as you begin to talk like that with each other, hope begins to dissipate. But as you begin to speak life, as you begin to say, God is gonna work this for our good. God, my God says that he is for us, who can be against us. God says that he, he always leads us in triumph. As we begin to speak the word of God, as we begin to declare in the name of Jesus, God is for us, who can be against us. No weapon formed against us prospers. As we begin to speak his word, you begin to release faith and faith starts to scatter the enemy because we do have an unseen enemy. He loves to come and have a go at trying to lie to you, trying to um, make you believe that God is not who he says he is. He tried it with Jesus. He said to Jesus, if you really are the son of God, throw yourself down, God will take care of you. He'd, he'd, he'd begin to torment him. And Jesus was tormented in all the same ways you and I are tormented. The enemy, just as he tries to come against you, he came against Jesus. And Jesus' response was to answer with the word of God. That's why we love to memorize the Bible. That's why we love to read the, the word of God. But it, it's one thing knowing it, and it's another thing picking it up and using it. The Bible says that as we open our mouth, the word of the Lord, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God, that our words have the power of life and death, that your tongue has power to see creative power release.